recording. This is episode 78? Yeah. Okay. Audio sync. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Ow. (laughs) I bruised my palm doing construction. (laughs) Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is Photolog. Hello, listeners or viewers, and welcome to the last episode of 2021. We are continuing our recent trend of answering a bunch of listener questions as a little bit of a gift to give back to you at the end of the year. I think it uh, fits with the holiday season. Um, So we've got a whole bunch of questions today. We Um, do have a whole bunch of questions, which is great. But before we dive into these questions, you did mention it is the last episode. No, the podcast is not ending. We will be back in January. The very first January is going to be January 10th, and -hmm. then we'll be back with weekly episodes. We're just taking a month off to enjoy the holidays and kind of refresh. Yep. So uh, take a month off. Last episode of this year. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Last episode of this year. So so take some time to catch up on old episodes. Enjoy, enjoy some time with family, friends, and the holidays. Um, but yeah, pretty much all of your questions, uh, most of your questions, were Photoshop related. Mm-hmm. So this Q&A, um, all the questions today are going to be Photoshop related and any of the spillover ones will you can pick up in January. Yeah, this is the Photoshop Q&A special, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so so what do we have for our first question? All right, first question. Uh, which tools of Photoshop should I try to learn first to better my skills in the program? Hmm. Uh, I would say masking selections and then just, like, curves. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Yeah, there's like a million ways to do color correction, but if you're just getting started, the main thing you want to do is color correction, and curves is the most powerful way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I know there's, I still haven't figured out how to color correct with like those wheels, like the video editors use. Yeah, I do color correction with those. <laughs> so, I, I, so you're I, the I curves do, guy, and I'm the wheels guy. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I have no idea how to use those wheels. I try, and it never quite works the way I want it to. Yeah. But yeah, you you can do you can do hue saturation, you can do levels, you can do curves, but by far curves is just the most powerful out of all the tools. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. there is a time and a place to use some of those other ones, but for the most part, if you learn how to properly mask and make clean selections, um that you're you're going to get really far. Yeah. Do, do you have anything to add? Uh yeah. no, I I very much agree with that. I was I was going to say that basically um you know, a lot of a lot of the Strangely, like a lot of the work I feel like in Photoshop is selecting the thing that you want to do the work on. And that is true. That feels like most of the time is selecting, not actually working on the thing, at least my perception. Um, and so, so masking and, and selection tools in general, mm-hmm. um, I think, are going to be super powerful with that. So I think that all of the like new tools that are getting better and better at masking are definitely cutting out a lot of the grunt work there, mm-hmm. but they're still not perfect. Yeah, they're not perfect. There was a recent update that just came out recently as of, you know, late, well, as we're recording this late 2021, um, that did improve masking significantly as far as like subject masking, where it tries to identify, oh, this is your subject or like sky masking. This is your sky. And it tries to figure out all around the trees and stuff and so it's gotten a lot better 
but as you said, it's not. I, I will say I don't like the subject masking one, but the sky replacement tool phenomenal. Yeah, it does it good. in an instant, and it actually does it cleaner than what I would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, I'm like, Psh, I can do that, and now everyone can do it as fast as me without knowing how, and I'm annoyed. <laughs> but no, this time it actually does it faster and cleaner than what I would do. So I really like the sky replacement tool. That's a good one. Yeah, but, the, um, the sky replacement yeah. tool is basically magic. Um, but yeah, subject ma- masking yeah. selections curves. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. All right, next question. What is the ideal amount of layers, or would you recommend best ways to utilize layers in Photoshop? Okay, um, I had four other people besides this ask different variations of what are best practices, tips, and tricks for organizing layers. I will start by answering this question uh, in saying that it is a bad question. There what? is no ideal amount of layers. The answer isn't 17 layers? It, exactly 17 <laughs> if you have any more or any less you're doing something wrong uh no it's it's a bad question in, in that it's completely irrelevant it does not matter um mm-hmm. i've done some retouching where it's it's so kind of low importance and so quick of a retouch that i don't even bother making a new layer and i retouch on the original background layer <gasps> i know how dare you i know I know. How dare I? Some sometimes I'll retouch on a new layer and just like merge it down and be like, ah, I never need to go back to this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some files that have mm, probably two hundred, three hundred layers. So like, it depends. <laughs> yeah. How many layers does your computer's RAM support? That many layers. <laughs> that many you need that many plus one and it's a good excuse to buy more ram uh no okay so so let's let's kind of sidestep that but get it kind of what the heart of this one is and what Mm -hmm. everyone else asked uh best practices tips tricks organizing layers i know what i do but before i just like go on a huge spiel do you have anything that you would do in photoshop um i mean obviously the specific amount of layers uh doesn't really matter um best way to utilize layers um i don't know uh you know you're a much more technical editor than i am um i would say that in my uh in my experience um like organization of layers is going to be i think a little bit more at least from my perception it's going to be something that you're going to you're going to feel out more the more you use the tool how exactly you want to organize them as far as utilizing layers i mean i'll utilize layers for like every new major uh, edit basically that I'm doing. Um, I try not to combine them too much uh, into one layer because then if you need to, you know, get rid of it or if you want to check, like, like, uh, you know, hide that whole layer to see what you did and go back and forth. It's nice to have everything split out into a bunch of different layers um, so that you can do that. And you're not like, Oh, which one was this? You know, how did yeah. I do that? Does, does this combine two? Um, so every major edit, I, I add a new layer um, as far as organizing them. Um, I think that's something that you're going to feel out more, but maybe you'll have more, uh, uh, thoughts for that. Oh man. Uh, honestly, the podcast could literally, you know what? That would just be me talking. That wouldn't be a conversation. <laughs> I will make a YouTube video at some point, and I could talk about this for a while, a lot longer than anyone probably wants to hear it, because you're absolutely right. I have been a very technical editor, mm-hmm. and I've worked as as a retoucher. How many years have I worked at a retoucher for other companies? Uh, many. Six years, I think. <laughs> 
in addition to having my own photography, I've worked as a retoucher in other studios for a total of six years over the past 10. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know what I'm doing, but I've also had a lot of different kind of experiences and views and angles. And and the secret is everyone does it different. Mm -hmm. There is no correct answer. So I'm going to start with that. But um, basically, just like you were saying, anytime you do a new thing, put it on a new layer. Um, If you start getting to, let's say, let's say the magic number is five. If you if you hit five layers, those layers and everything forward should be labeled. They should not be oh, called layer one, layer two, layer three. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, should I always assign uh, text or tiles to a layer? Um, yes, I even assign them to even less than five layers, just because I want to remember. Sometimes you open the stuff yeah. later, like even months later. We're like, what was I doing with that thing? I remember doing this. And if you've got it, if you've got it labeled, like you're gonna forget the instant this project is done. If you're, if you're coming back to it then that helps you remember a lot better. Yeah, so if you I, have, like, a takes, Photoshop what, file seconds? with three layers, yeah. though, you just toggle it off and on and go, oh, that's what it does. Yeah, that's so, true. But, like, it takes, um, what, a second or two to do it? Like, uh, might yeah. as well. I'm, I'm just lazy, so that's yeah. kind of my shortcut. But, um, okay, so so like you were saying, you if you're editing a bunch of different things, make each one its own layer, but uh, group them together if they're mm-hmm. all the same. So I recently did a wedding edit where uh, they threw a bunch of pom-poms coming down. Uh, once they said, you're, I now pronounce you man and wife, and they kiss, and then they're coming down the aisle. At, all the guests were throwing palms at them. And uh, the thing is, guests are not coordinated. So I have, like, 15 photos with, like, one palm each. And so the one that they actually wanted printed, they were like, can you put all the different palms together? Also, it needs color correction. Also, there's, like, a thing that needs to be fixed and a fire hydrant removed and, like, all these other things. Mm -hmm. Well, all of the palms that get composited, they're all their own layers, so I can move them and adjust them as needed. But they all got grouped. So I can toggle the palms on or off or make a global selection to all the palms as needed. So Certainly. certainly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was working on a project uh, recently that had a similar thing where there were um, – uh, it doesn't really matter exactly what it was, but there were a, a few different objects in it. There were, like, these circular objects and these kind of straight objects. And I grouped all of those by kind of object shape because I wanted to be able to edit their um, mm-hmm. – colors and stuff as a group um and having those uh having those grouped up was then super helpful if i'd had it as a whole flat thing i would have had to go through and select them individually and it would take them a long a lot more time so oh for sure um yeah group by some sort of category yeah whatever category makes sense for you in your project uh in my case, let's see. shape <laughs> yeah so like i said i could go on for this for probably just an hour on its own but mm-hmm. i'm just gonna limit it uh i got two more off the top of my head so uh the next one is when you are editing, sometimes you need a reference. Um, so it, maybe you're trying to match a color swatch, mm-hmm. or maybe um, you have some kind of shape or outline or template. If you're doing, uh, let's say, a magazine cover, you want to put all of the text layer that the magazine is going to have so that the image lines up perfectly with all of that Um so there are all of these things that you might need in your Photoshop file that should not be in your Photoshop file or visible when you export it. But don't delete those because you want to be able to toggle them back on later. So um, one thing that you might not know you can do is you can color code your layers. So for me, the color code is red. If there's a layer that's red, that means this layer should not be on when you actually go to export the file. 
Um, so whether it is like guides or text or just I make a quick note to myself of retouching note that the client wants of, hey, these are the three things I need fixed. I'll just really quickly with the brush, kind of like Microsoft Paint style, just like draw in whatever they need. And then I'll label that one red to make sure that it doesn't accidentally get turned on at any point. Cool. Uh, so that's tip number one. Tip number two uh, is when you are doing a pixel, an actual piece of information, those should all be on the bottom. And whenever you're doing an adjustment, whether that is, uh, you know, colors or curves or what have you, any of those kinds of things should be on the top. Because what happens is if you ever put a pixel over an adjustment, now what happens is if you change that adjustment, the pixel above it is wrong. Mm -hmm. So there are exceptions to the rule, but for most large part, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like beginner ish. Uh, so, so just don't do that. That's bad practice. You'll, <laughs> you'll know when you get to the point where you can break the rule, but otherwise, yeah, all the pixels on the bottom, all of the adjustment layers on top. Cool. Neat. I, I, I think we'll move on. Otherwise I'll just, that'll be the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's our next one? Uh, next question. For websites like Twitch or programs for streaming like OBS Studio, would you have recommendations for creating overlays in Photoshop, such as recommended dimensions or ways to print text slash images looking washed or grainy? I've never done that, so that's <clears throat> all you. Take it away. So, uh, yeah, I actually, uh, weirdly, a substantial part of my job is streaming <laughs> right now, so I can speak to this. Um Pretty much, uh, I'm not sure why what you're talking about as far as washed out. What I'm guessing is that you're bringing in graphics or text that is a resolution that is far too low um, for what you're trying to display. Um, or a bad color profile. Or a bad color profile. Um, but generally, uh, this shouldn't be too overcomplicated. I mean, graphics should fit... Uh, the resolution that the stream is set to, which is generally 1920 by 1080 nowadays. Um, and what I mean by uh, by fitting that resolution doesn't mean they need to be 1920 by 1080. But let's say you're making a frame around the around the stream, then it might be exactly 1920 by 1080. Maybe you're doing like a, a title bar where you're showing um, or like a lower third, or like a lower third. Um, then you want you want that to be high enough resolution that it can fit in a 1920 by 1080 frame and not look um, blurry. So if it's something that's the entire width, it'll be 1920, 1920 pixels wide by then whatever height it needs to be, whether that's, you know, 50, 100, you know, it, it depends on the graphics. So it's, it's hard to give you an exact resolution, but basically the idea is it should be a high resolution probably, and then it won't look um, grainy or pixelated. Um, if you can uh, make your graphics in vector formats, um, stuff like SVG, uh, those will scale infinitely up and down so that if you do mess it up and you're like, oh, I exported this too small, um, you can scale that and won't have any problem. In fact, OBS specifically supports uh, vector graphics natively if you add them as a browser oh, nice. source. Um, it's a little weird in that like, it's your, it doesn't tell you this that browser source can be used for vector graphics um but if you add them as a browser source and then search for your specific vector graphic then you can bring it in and then it'll scale um which is awesome then it will never be um it'll never ha have any sort of uh graininess or or pixelation um which is awesome um 
So if you're using stuff like uh, if you're using photos or other like raster images uh, where they don't scale infinitely, uh, just try to make them as high resolution as possible. Um, you know, bring those files. Uh, don't like export a super tiny file and then bring it in to OBS and then scale it back up. Um, you definitely want to be scaling down in OBS, not up, and then you'll avoid some of that graininess. Um, otherwise, I would There's say... There's also some compression issues, though, if you if mm-hmm. you have, like, an 8K graphic and you're trying to down-res to 1080. Certainly, it, like, certainly. It, it should it, fit... It, again, yeah. it should fit the frame, right? Um, so if your frame is 1920 by 1080, which it most likely is... Um, it it should be appropriate for that size. Um, if it is a little bit larger than that, you you'll probably be fine. Um, but if it's like substantially larger, then probably not. So try I've done to... stuff for the side of buses and billboards, and yeah. whenever they try and use that and like just crunch it down and post it online, I'm like, it looks bad. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. looks crunchy and bad because it doesn't know how to compress a file that large you should have used the file that I gave you that was web-sized. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. Um, so we're talking about actually <laughs> relatively small graphics here um, as far as uh, as far as far photos and graphics in general are considered. So make it appropriate for the stream size, and you should be fine. Uh, also, just side note, you know, overlays and stuff like that are a tool, uh, and too much of the tool can certainly distract from the entertainment of the stream. A lot of people, when they're getting into streaming, think, oh, well, I have to have all these, like, fancy graphics and, you know, meticulous overlays and all these interactive features and stuff. Guess what? Nobody really watches anybody for that stuff. So uh, if you are building this and intending uh, you're either working with somebody or, or potentially working for yourself to make the, a stream uh, graphic It can definitely you, add production value, but, like, over time. It certainly you know? can, but over time, yeah. right? Like, at, at most, I feel like you should have some sort of, like, lower thirds bar where you can show some text. Maybe some graphic for people that are, like, subscribing to you. And maybe a chat graphic. And that's pretty much where I would start. And um, and those don't necessarily need to be viewable all the time. Uh, the only other thing is, of course, like um, uh, opening and ending cards uh, when you start and end the stream. Um, but those can be basically just a solid image. Uh, they don't have to be anything super fancy, at least starting out. So just be careful with this stuff. Um, make it appropriate for the size of the stream. And as long as it matches that well, then you shouldn't have uh, too many issues. Neat. Okay, next question. Uh, are there any easier tricks or tools to make a project in Photoshop look better that you noticed beginner users don't utilize? Mm. Weird, kind of weird phrasing on that one, but sure. Um, I think I think I'll rephrase this as like biggest mistakes that I see people using. Um, don't do anything at 100%, like almost ever. Um there's this subreddit called Shitty HDR. Excuse my language, but that's the actual name. That is you, the name of it. If you go on Shitty HDR and browse around and your images look like that, then you're probably doing stuff at 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I would say uh, do, do almost nothing at 100%. Um, if, if you did it, probably tone it down. You probably mm-hmm. did too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but conversely, when people say, oh, I just need a little bit, and they just add a little bit, they don't add enough. Mm-hmm. To the point where, like, what did you even do? I can't tell the difference. So what you should do is when you're trying to figure out, I have this slider. I need to move the slider to change my image. You overshoot and you go past the point where you're like, oh, no, 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 no. That's too much. So keep moving that slider up, not until you think it looks right. 
but until you overshoot it mm -hmm. and then bring it back down. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're going to end up with a way higher value than you thought you would need. And that was because you were doing nothing to your image before. And sometimes when you overshoot it and you bring it back down, you're actually going to end up with a lower value than you thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is part of kind of the artistry and like your artist's eye, so to speak, of Photoshop. Um, I, I pretty much never like open up a project in photoshop and know exactly where the slider should be or lightroom or Never. any program if, if you have ever followed an online tutorial and they're like cool and make it five pixels that tutorial is wrong because <laughs> here's the deal if you're using a canon rebel that is mm -hmm. 12 megapixels like maybe five is actually too much and you needed it at three mm -hmm. but if you're using an 80 megapixel hasselblad back maybe you need it to be at like 15 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like exactly. the, that slider is going to change based on your resolution. It's going to change based on uh, the contrast of your image It's going to change based on personal style preferences or depending on what kind of the thing, the filter is that, or the slider is that you're doing. Yep. So the exact values are not important. And if you're following someone else's recipe, you're probably wrong. Mm -hmm. So, so you're going to have to just like use a little bit of that artistry and figure out, but uh, no, I would say that's, that's where my two t tips are. If you do something at 100%, maybe tone it down a little bit and see if that looks better. But conversely, if you're timidly just kind of pushing up sliders, overshoot your target, bring it back, um, and then you'll kind of actually find the range that looks right to you. Cool. Um, kind of a related question. What are some tools of Photoshop you feel some beginners try and overuse or use incorrectly that may limit growing their experience in Photoshop? Uh, clarity slider. I'll start with that one. You're talking about <laughs> sliders. Yeah, way slider. too much. Sure. Uh, people just drag it to 100 and goes, wow, that looks so cool. And I'm like, no, it looks bad. Saturation slider too. Oh, yeah. Um, when when they're trying to like bring out the whites of the eyes and like, oh, I have yellow teeth. Can you bring it up? They make people look like aliens. Mm -hmm. They just like sheet of paper white. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's too much. Generally, like I, I fell into this trap too when I started of trying to brighten eyes, you generally don't actually want to do that. We have all the little like red veins. And if you go in with a paintbrush and paint those out, then it's actually going to look brighter. Yeah. Without actually brightening it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, like that is a better way to retouch that. Um, and with teeth, what I do is I, uh, rather than, rather than brightening it, I actually lower the saturation a little bit until the yellow turns to a slight gray. And then I brighten it until it gets back to where I started. Cool. So now the yellow is gone, but the teeth value has not gotten neon and shiny. Um, yeah, those are, those are always done incorrectly. Uh, skin smoothing, uh, they look like Barbie dolls. People should have pores. Mm -hmm. Uh, sure. what, what else am I missing? Uh, well, as we talked about with layers, like destructive editing, <laughs> although you, yes. just, you just said that you edit things on the uh, original. <laughs> That's when I'm, when I'm that, that is a no, no, don't do that. I only do that when I'm really lazy and super confident in what I'm doing. I'm, a, I'm like, um, should I say this? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, destructive editing is like, like, okay. The so whole point I've been of the software is it's non-destructive editing. Yeah. The don't whole point of the non-destructive editing That is true. Process. That is true. <laughs> it it's more of just like there is a patch of dead grass otherwise this photo literally does not need any more edits mm -hmm. i will just like go cl like clone or heal that patch and be like 
I'm done now. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. If, if if literally not a single edit needed, if that's all I do, yeah, just do it on the background layer, save it as JPEG. Don't even bother saving a PSD file. Like you're mm-hmm. done now. Um, generally, I need more editing than that. But um, yeah, destructive editing. That's a no no. Learn learn how to use adjustments. Never apply adjustments directly to the layer. Um, smart objects help a lot when you do use filters that need to apply directly to a layer. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, clone tool. Yeah, you just mentioned beginners. Beginners never use the clone tool correctly. I have a funny story about this actually. Yeah. So I was in college, and I took a. Uh, it was not a Photoshop class. It was specifically a photography class and they taught us how to do Photoshop for basic color correction. And like, here's how you convert a raw image to a JPEG image. And like, that was it. And they're like, we do not want you Photoshopping your images, but here's how you just like make the white balance and colors and stuff look the way you want it. That was, that was all they taught us. Um, and there was this one girl who took a picture of like these traffic cones, but like her lens had fogged up. So it looked really, really cool. And they're like, yeah, but there's like this rope there and it's really distracting. We don't like it. So she goes back to retake the image cause they told her no Photoshop and like the cones aren't there and she doesn't know how to get the thing to mist up again. And like, she just can't recreate it. So she clone tools it out. And the first thing the professor knows is, did you clone that out? Yeah. I can tell this is not good. Don't do that. Um, like, like you will not pass this assignment if you hand that in. And it was because she did it badly. She cloned and it had all these repeating patterns that, mm-hmm. that you don't look for of just like that. There's people. It's put, weird. People you don't can put tell soft enough edges on clone tool. People always pull from the same place. Like, you, you yeah, need to... you need to resample, or or you clone and you don't do any color correction to the new area mm-hmm. where, like, if it should be vignetting, it should be getting darker. But you just cloned, and now it's not. Yeah, like let's say you're clone tool uh, using a clone tool against a natural scene, like grass or trees or something. It, uh, if you look at that tree, do you see like identical leaf configurations on every branch? Never. No way. So your clone has to be a mixture you need to like if you're cloning leaves on a tree you need to need grab to frankenstein from all of, like, over five different branches constantly yeah. you should be constantly changing where your clone tool is sampling from um and my goodness do not use well unless you very specifically know that this is the way that you need to do it for this texture do not put a hard edge on your clone tool <laughs> then you'll have done all this sampling and you'll still see hard like circular edges on everything which is what's what's really worse. funny <laughs> is i actually almost always use 100 percent hardness on my clone tool really, otherwise i'm healing not cloning yeah but that yeah. is that is a tutorial for another day <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll have to I'll have to teach my clone and heal technique one of these days. Uh, anyway, so the punchline to this story is I had shot a person uh, um, reading a newspaper sitting on a bench, and they're like, ah, like it needs a little visual interest. Like maybe he's not like lined up on the bench correctly, or maybe if there's just like a fold in the newspaper or something. I don't know. It's just like it's too geometric. You need to just kind of like rough it up a little. Well, he was like a pre-med student, so I couldn't shoot it again. He was too busy. So I literally cut him out, moved him over on the bench, redrew all of the shadows in Photoshop. And they're like, yeah, looks good. Love it. (laughs) I'm so glad you went and reshot that. I did not. 
but I did it right, so they can't tell. And honestly, that's that's the best tip that you're going to get out of this episode. If people can't tell what you did, you did it correctly. <laughs> what is the line? If you do your job right, nobody will know you did it. No one notices. All. Yeah. Yep. That's <laughs> exactly. exactly it. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's see here. Next question. What level of projects do you recommend Photoshop or any other photo editing program is a must-have? Okay. So... Um, this question made no sense and I reached out to them for a clarification and basically what it is is um, how complicated of an edit or a thing or how progressed as a photographer should you be before you're like, oh, you need Photoshop now versus like GIMP? Uh, I mean, if you can afford it, do it, get it right away. I feel like that I, was my answer too. Yeah. I'm like, it's $10. Just, just do it. Um, you're going, the, the big problem with leaning on other software is, and I want to believe, right? I want to believe the cheaper free software is better because then I wouldn't have to pay the Adobe bill every month. Um, but one thing that you might regret is if you lean on free and or cheap software is that you might get to the point where you, where you regret learning all of your workflows in that software that is different from the and software now you have you to actually relearn it to do, when you upgrade. And then you need to relearn yeah. it. Exactly. Um, and so I, I, I was actually talking to somebody, this isn't Photoshop, but I was talking to somebody about video editing software recently and Premiere Pro is obviously a super popular choice, um, but they were looking at DaVinci Resolve. And I said, well, are you only doing video projects for yourself? Wait, was this person me? No. This... I don't remember having this conversation with you, but this is me exactly. This is you, but actually this was not. Well, this <laughs> this this is you as well. But the, what I'm referencing was actually Yeah, I you. know. I'm like, we never had this conversation. But um, no, I, da, da Vinci is node-based. So it's a completely yep. different workflow, but I don't know how to use it. So I'm trying to learn. So I was talking to them and uh, I, I said, are you doing this editing just for yourself? Um, or you're trying to save money and you don't care what piece of software you're learning, or are you doing this uh, with a team, or are your projects ever going to be edited by anybody else um, that might not be using the exact same software? And they said, yeah, probably this is going to end up um, with... Uh, with uh, This is going to end up being a team effort, and we're going to send this stuff around. And I know that the person that I'm... Uh, or the people that I'm working with are already using Premiere. And I said... Then use Premiere. Then use 100%. Premiere. Forget. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, so that is kind of the question for me back to this person is uh, if you're if you have no intention of ever using Photoshop, then sure, use an alternate alternate program. But it's cheap enough for just the photo uh, photo package. I probably would just go for it. Yeah, it's um, like $10 a month plus tax applicable to your region yeah, for Photoshop and Lightroom. Exactly. If you mm-hmm. can't afford that, reference our older Adobe alternative episode. Yep, yep. But There is no level. If you are advanced enough that you are asking that question, Mm -hmm. you are ready for Photoshop. Yep. And you might advance even faster having jumped on that train instead of waiting and Oh, for sure. Uh, When I was in middle school, I was learning how to play drums, but my dad thought it was just a phase, so he didn't want to buy me a drum set. So I was practicing on my pillows. Well, there is something real and tactile about doing a drum roll with a stick on a drum head that gives you the rebound so you can actually learn the wrist motion on how to do that that you cannot do on a pillow. <laughs> so my drum instructor is like, why are you paying me a lot of money for lessons? He's not getting any better. I don't understand. He's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't have a drum set. This is the one time a week he actually gets to play on a set. He's like, well, buy the dang kid a set. 
And then I got better exponentially like overnight because I was spending like four hours a day actually practicing. So just do it. If you're ready, just, just get Photoshop. If you can't afford $10 a month, just look at some of our uh, one-time use alternatives. But if, if $10 a month, that's like two Starbucks. Just just do it if you can. Get the right tools for the job. All right. Uh, All right. Enough harping on that one. What do we got next? Next question. Can Photoshop compensate for having a less expensive or less sophisticated camera? Mm. Can it turn a well-shot photo into something professional? If, if it was produced on a camera with limited lens slash exposure options, if it can, what are some of the pitfalls that usually occur? Uh, okay yeah. so, my, so my very first thought is if you're my friend adam who did a lot of the editing for my pinup calendar adam kupka you can find him at uh, kupka photo that's k-u-p-k-a photo um he will take your cell phone photo and turn it into a phenomenal piece of art he will take what like he's like please send me raw images please send me high res images but honestly if you're gonna pay him money he takes whatever the thing is and just makes magic out of it but it's yes it has its limitations so if Mm. you're as good as he is yeah you can do a lot to polish a turd so to speak (laughs) but uh it really helps when you have someone who's a really good photographer like me giving him a great place to start with and then he can elevate it into a masterpiece rather than just like oh that looks nice Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm kind of curious where this question is coming from. Um, my question would be: If you're on a budget and you can't like you can't buy more expensive equipment, okay, that's fine. Like you're trying to be scrappy and um, do what you can with the tools you have available. And if you get really good with Photoshop, certainly you can compensate for a lot of things. Um, but the other question is. Are you thinking, well, I can be sloppy and just fix it in post? Because if you're thinking that, then uh, please do not. Please stop. Please stop thinking that right now. <laughs> so. I did not even think about that as a mindset until I, you mentioned I know, it. I know they specifically called out gear, but I just want to mention, we don't need to go into huge tangent. Um, let's say that you're being You heard a piece right of my now. soul just now, Stuart. <laughs> If, if no, you're absolutely right. If this is a fix it in post mentality, then then, then no. shame on you. Shame. I don't I think it is. Flog you in but the I'm streets. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> no, there was uh there was one photo shoot I was on where they're like, hey, what about that cord? Mm-hmm. Um, what about what about that cord in the corner? I'm like, can you go unplug that? That's in my shot. And they're like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. All all you have to do is you know grab the clone tool and you know grab the thing and then you can just heel brush it out and you know you're good to go. I'm like, it took you longer to explain that than it would have taken for you to unplug the thing and move it. Can we just mm-hmm. can we just fix it in pre instead of fix it in post? Exactly. Exactly. If you can um, do it in the camera, do it in the camera. Basically, if you can. The, the so, so answer. let's uh, let's assume like, if you have any, even my Canon Rebel that uh, I upgraded because it sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say it sucked, what I specifically mean is I was trying to shoot weddings, and when it looks garbage at ISO eight hundred, like that's pushing it, mm-hmm. and you can't shoot a wedding. Like, I just shot a wedding uh, a couple days ago, and it w- I was shooting, like, ISO 6400 all night. Because they were inside, no lights, candlelight. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. was trying to get some of that, like, candlelight-looking stuff. So, if I add a flash, it looks like flash. So, for some of those natural light shots in no light... I mean, it's insanely high. I couldn't have done that with Marvel. Yeah, so if, if your sensor if you can't have, do it, your sensor can't do it. 
yeah, if your sensor can't do it or you have a crap camera like that with like I think it had like five stops of dynamic range or four mm-hmm. and now my camera has like seven or nine. Uh, that's the other thing. Um, if you're blowing out detail, you can never get that detail back, whether oh. it is highlights or shadows. So that's just one thing you can't compensate for because there's nothing there for you to massage in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pixels, if if you're shooting it on an old Nokia potato, like there's nothing we can do with your super tiny thumb stamp image. Mm-hmm. Like I know that you can turn like a 10 megapixel image into a 40 megapixel image with new, like enhanced software that is insane. That has just come out the past couple of years, but yeah, Adobe general Camera Raw rule has thumb, scaling, but yeah, general rule of thumb. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did have a client tell me, um, Hey, can I use one of the images I shot on my cell phone? in the wedding album and i'm like let's not but like mom really really wanted this photo because it was a photo of just like these uh people that they never told me were important to them and they were apparently important to them and so i never got a shot of them when family photos happened um and so but what they sent me was like the downrest facebook one and it was like four five hundred pixels on the big side and so I use the Photoshop Giga Upscale, but it doesn't quite look as good it, as the photos it's, I shot. It's ultimately still the computer guessing. Like, the, the information isn't there. You know, e- even if you're in a best-case scenario where you're, you know, upscaling a 12-megapixel image to some huge thing, it's still guessing. It's a pretty good guess, increasingly. It's getting better and better all the time, but it's still guessing. The information is not there. It is making yeah. it up. Um, and you can't really fix that the algorithms can get good but ultimately it's still making up information from still guessing so yeah i would i would say you can fix almost everything but uh you can't fix size you can't Mm -hmm. fix dynamic range if the detail's not there it's not there Mm -hmm. uh you can't fix out of focus like Mm -hmm. if something is slightly out of focus i know photoshop technically has an out of focus filter that like algorithm and does it but it doesn't look good it looks a little crunchy Mm -hmm. i like I will use that if there's a really important image where, like, um, it's the tip of the nose and I'm literally just trying to get, like, a little more of the face and skin in detail and then I'll paint that in just to sharpen that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if someone's just, like, if you shot it wrong, you're never getting that back. Uh, Is there anything else you can't fix? Um, I think that's the core stuff. Um, yeah, like, I mean, like I would say if you had really crappy lighting and you're trying to make it have good lighting, like that's another thing. That's incredible. That's hard, another yeah. thing you can't fix. Mm-hmm. Asterisks. You can fix it if you're Adam. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like in, <laughs> but at, there, there, it reaches a point where that's just digital art. He just paints on new lighting. Exactly. I was going to say it reaches a point where, um, are you fixing it or are you just making a painting at that point? And wouldn't it have been nicer if you just fixed it while you were there instead of spending you know 40 hours later painting in all of your new lighting like probably it's Um, essentially a painting yeah yeah so pretty much um Uh, yeah yeah, when i worked uh that was our last question but uh yeah Mm -hmm. when i worked in studios where we shot a lot of cars um do you know how you fix chrome you literally paint it you do not clone right. because you have no reference to clone from. Mm-hmm. If there's a bad reflection covering the bumper of a car and you have no other clean chrome image, 
then you just grab a paintbrush, you paint it on, and you add noise until it matches the rest of the pixelation <laughs> and noise in the image. That's that's literally how you do it. Fake you just chrome. you just take time, you just take time, and you paint it, and you just keep sampling new colors and blending it all together until it looks real. But then it'll look like you smoothed it out way too much, and then you just add in some more noise, and boom, now you're cooking. Um, so if you don't want to just completely fake it and you still want to call it like a photo and not a painting, mm-hmm. yeah, you can't fix bad lighting either. Autochrome photos exposed. It's all <laughs> yeah, fake. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to wait for that to be the, uh, <laughs> to be the next Adobe filter. Here's, Perfect. here's the autochrome. We we're going to get rid of every car and window reflection. <laughs> uh anyway uh thank you everybody for all of your photoshop questions uh Mm -hmm. this was a lot of fun i know a ton about photoshop so i i could do this all day uh and you might even say you're a photoshop wizard i am a photoshop wizard add me on xbox that's literally my screen name (laughs) (laughs) literally my handle on xbox anyway uh yeah photoshop wizard because um, I'm really good at this. Uh, what what question was it earlier? The layers in Photoshop? Yeah, I'm going to come back to that. Uh, that one's not going to be in podcast form because it's just going to be me showing you stuff and talking a lot. But go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash nomcreative. Uh, that'll probably be January because uh, I'm a bit busy at the moment. Uh, so these will be coming out. We're going to take December off and then we'll be back to you with more stuff. Um, we're going to have one kind of little mini episode, um, kind of giving you an update on, on what you can expect next, but until then be wonderful, uh, happy Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever, whatever holiday you celebrate. Happy new year. We will see you all on the other side, 2022. This is going to be the year. Dang it. This is going to be the year. (laughs) See you next year. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo-op.show. Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at non-creative. As in om nom nom. Share this with a friend and you can listen to Photo Op anywhere podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Because it's free.